You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to bring you another guest on today's episode of B-School. We have Caitlin Harper. Caitlin is a communication and organizational culture strategist, stuff that I nerd out about, and a professional development and team building workshop facilitator. She's managed communication, operations, and people strategy in global media companies, small businesses, nonprofits, and government agencies. She's facilitated workshops at leadership conferences, and she's delivered keynotes and spoken on panels about building an inclusive company culture and mental health and wellness in the workplace. She's also an author of the novel, It Will Set You Free, the host of the Renegade Reading Series in Brooklyn, and a Harry Potter academic scholar. (laughs) If you are not excited by the end of this, I I don't know what to tell you. Caitlin, thank you so much for being on the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I don't always put that last bit on all of my bios, so it's fun when I forgot that I included it and it pops up. (laughs) That's awesome. Like, yeah, I'm having to reground myself in the questions that I plan to ask you because now I'm like, let's just talk about Harry Potter stuff (laughs) for another time. But I'm really excited to talk to you about, okay, so I just get really excited because a lot of the areas of your expertise are areas that I've studied as well. And I love talking about people who have experience. So today I want to talk to you about assertiveness. This is something that I feel like I have been exploring a lot lately because of this new normal around COVID-19. I've had to really step into being more assertive. And I think in general, it's a skill that we can all use, but especially now, the skill of being able to assert yourself is just really, really important. I know that for a lot of people, myself included, little girls who show leadership skills, they're called bossy. And then in the workplace, you have women who are stepping in and taking the lead, and they're called aggressive. And it's really easy for us, and I can even speak for myself, for me to enter a conversation about assertiveness and have some gendered and biased definitions. So before we talk about assertiveness, I'd just love for you to break down what it means, what it is. Yeah, for sure. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're so assertive. And they're almost like like a backhanded compliment where they're, they're mean that I'm like monopolizing the conversation or something. And I'm like, well, don't use the word assertive then because to me, that's a compliment because assertiveness is, it's kind of a way to express yourself that's not passive or aggressive. So people think that, assertiveness and aggressive are like synonyms, but they're not like assertiveness is closer to confidence. And if you're assertive, it actually helps you control the negative emotions through effective communication. So you're expressing a thought or an opinion, you're not being a bully, but you are standing your ground. So it takes confidence one step further, because there's usually an end goal in mind. So you can be a confident person, in general, but when you assert yourself, there's kind of a goal or an expectation that you're trying to get something done. I really like that response. And that is 
I don't know if I've heard it defined that way before of being assertive is really like in many ways going after a goal, having something that you're trying to to get. So that is something that's practical, but it also sounds really empowering to assert yourself. So I'm wondering where you'd recommend people should start if they're like, yep, I'm bought in. I want to start showing up more assertively. Where do they begin? Um, so like, I think the first step is to practice, but people are like, okay, I don't know like where or when to practice, right? So usually ahead, uh, especially for people who are introverted or who don't normally assert themselves, you can ask yourself what would be lost if you didn't assert yourself. So if I'm coaching or mentoring someone and they're like, yeah, I didn't, you know, give my boss's feedback or I didn't go for that promotion. And I ask why they're not taking action. They'll say like, I don't want to rock the boat or I don't want to seem too greedy or make someone upset. And then I say, okay, but does the risk of not being assertive outweigh the risk of possibly seeming greedy or making someone upset? So if you'll lose more by not being assertive, which is usually true. Um, so like if you don't go for a raise, like that could cost you thousands of dollars. Is that worth worth the risk of your boss potentially thinking that you're asking for too much? Or most of the time, the fear is baseless and it's in your head. So if you can examine the risk, that will give you a little bit of like energy to go for it. And then the best way to start out is to practice on something low stakes. So I don't know if you watch The Office, but there's like this scene where Pam goes to the bar and she orders a beer and the bartender gives her two regular beers and she looks like she's going to go back to the table and just accept it. And she says, actually, one of these is supposed to be a light beer. And the bartender just like kind of shrugs and is like, I don't care and like swaps it out. But like Pam is really pleased with herself because she had told herself earlier that she's trying to be more assertive. So I feel like that's a really good example of how like when women want to assert ourselves, like it's women a lot of the times they build it up into this big thing because they're told to not rock the boat or not be assertive. But most of the time the other person like doesn't actually care because they have their own issues and their own thoughts and everything. So practicing on these like smaller stakes events and interactions can really like flex that muscle. So when something big comes up, you do have those skills and kind of scripts ready for you. And yeah, I can talk about scripts as well, if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that example from the office, first of all. <laughs> I have a lot of office examples. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. And I'm like, oh, I should rewatch that today. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's something really relatable. And I've seen that in my own life where I'm so nervous about going into a conversation and asking for something that I want or that I need. And then the person was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I meant to do that and I forgot. And it's like, man, I gave myself so much grief for no reason. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about scripts and what that looks like to use when it comes to being more assertive. Yeah, so I'm like, I don't want everyone to, you know, <laughs> like be walking through the world like in a play where everything's already pre-written and you just say whatever. But having scripts ready for me sometimes um, especially if I'm struggling with something or if I'm trying something out, like really helps. So like say a coworker is always talking over you in meetings or taking credit for your ideas. Like I am a big advocate of practicing things in the mirror of visualization. 
so you can be ready next time and say like, thanks for adding to my earlier point, John. I think we agree that X project is important. And like saying something like that sounds robotic when you aren't used to saying it, but you've heard more assertive people probably say it around you and been like, damn, I wish that I like had that ready. Like I wish I had these comebacks ready, right? Or the, these responses to people talking over us or interrupting us or taking advantage of us. But usually the other person, unless they're like some assertiveness master, probably has practiced that, has labored over it, has practiced this script. So having these like scripts, like anticipating your responses, I don't want you to stay up all night, like stressing over what to say in a conversation. But if something's happening to you again and again and again, like what is your reaction going to be next time? How are you going to assert yourself in that conversation? It doesn't have to be every interaction, but usually there's a couple people in our lives who kind of, you know, do these things to us. Um, and it's good to have scripts for those instances. That makes a lot of sense. And that also segues into something that I also wanted to ask you about. So we create the scripts, we go out, we ask for what we want. And I don't know if I should put a number on it, but for me in my own life, like nine times out of 10, it's not a big deal it opens up a really productive conversation or it's just a no brainer. And it's like, yeah, of course, of course you can have that. Of course. I, yeah. So, but there are those times where you do assert yourself and it, it tends to be one or two relationships that you have, whether it's a coworker, a partner, a family member, but you assert yourself and people aren't necessarily used to that and it rubs them in the wrong way. So I'm wondering, like, do you have any advice for handling the negative reactions? Yeah, if someone reacts negatively or you're anticipating that someone's going to react negatively, the first thing to do is like make sure that you're keeping yourself safe. Because usually if someone reacts negatively to you being assertive, if you're not being aggressive, if you're just being assertive um, and someone reacts negatively, it's, it's all about a, a power imbalance, right? Like the person is in power and you're asserting your power. And I'm not saying you're like, you know, beating someone up or something like that, but you're asserting your vocal power in a conversation. They'll do anything they can to kind of like get you back down to your level. So if someone's negative, if they have power over you, like a parent or a boss or something like that, I would say weigh your own options. So and act in the interest of your own preservation. So I would say like, obviously you want to keep calm and like keep trying to assert yourself. But if you feel like it's not going in the right direction, you might need to put your assertive practice on hold in order to keep your income or your housing or whatever secure. If the power balance is equal, like a coworker or a friend or Pam's bartender, getting to a place of being cool and calm for yourself is the most important part. And this borders on, you know, respectability politics. I don't think that women or people of color should need to be calmer than the person who is reacting negatively or their aggressor, but all you can control is yourself. So for myself, like I know a lot of people are like, okay, I take three breaths if someone is, you know, being aggressive or anything like that. But instead of like me reacting aggressively to someone else's negative reaction, I usually either walk away if I can say that we're going to table the conversation and come back to it later, or depending on what the subject is, 
stand your ground and keep asserting yourself. So those are kind of like the three responses that you can have to a negative reaction. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that definitely does. And I, I like how you broke that out. Because when I, I think about the times where it has been a little bit stickier, it actually does tend to be where there is the, the power imbalance. And that's maybe not something that I realized until sitting here like, oh, yeah, that, that's the common element. And as someone who cares a lot about mindfulness, having that sense of calm for me, not so that someone else isn't seeing me as like an angry black woman stereotype, but that Mm -hmm. I can come in and be coming from the most grounded place that I possibly can. Yeah. And it's super hard. Like if you're calm, what can they say? And that's not always true, you know, especially for people of color is like, you can be as calm (laughs) as, you know, a tree standing there and something can still happen to you. But like when I used to work in customer service, you know, we would get irate customers and the calmer I was, you know, the angrier they got sometimes because they wanted me to react to whatever they were doing. But the complaint, like they would say, I'm going to complain about you to your supervisor. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like you, you're free to do that because what are you going to say? Like what, And they've literally like, they would email and say like, she was, you know, being disrespectful or something like that. But I was like, all I said was that we can't fulfill this order in 10 minutes. That's, and I just kept trying to explain to them. And there was nothing that the other person could do because I had been so calm to prove that I had somehow been aggressive. So I feel like it's, I feel like calmness sometimes and like coming back to that centered feeling is a sense of power in itself and self-preservation because as much as someone, you know, wanted to get me fired or something like that, I always kept my calm and therefore like kept my job and my livelihood. So yeah, I think of that sense of calmness as, as power more than like submissiveness. Mm, That is a really great way to frame it. I like that a lot. I think it's really easy. I talk about this with my husband a lot. Um, We're both more introverted and just the way that our society can frame power and what it looks like to be powerful and just being reminded that sometimes it's those quiet things. It's that being able to remain calm that is a source of power. It doesn't have to be you being the most charismatic person in the room. So Mm -hmm. I, I love reminders like that. Awesome. So the next question. Well, actually, before I go into lightning questions, which are what I ask everyone, Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you want us to know about how we can tap into our own assertiveness? Yeah, just like once we, you know, set the stakes and see if this is, you know, a conversation that we do want to assert ourselves in, we practice, you know, some things that are lower stakes. We have some scripts that we can use if someone is like, you know, repeatedly aggressing over us and we're trying to assert ourselves in that situation. But if you really want someone else to change their behavior, it's good to use these sort of like communication techniques. So if you describe their behavior, describe how their behavior makes you feel, and then describe the effect that it has on you and let them respond, that's a really good way to assert yourself and get someone to change their thinking or behavior. So if you're in a fight with your roommate or something like that, 
like if your friend is texting while you talk all the time and you feel like this person's, you know, not listening to you and, you know, doesn't value what you're saying, like someone will come in and say, you always text when I'm talking. And then the other person, you know, the texter will be like, you're so aggressive and blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into a fight, right? But if you want to assert yourself instead of being aggressive, you can say things like, when you text while I talk, which is a fact, it makes me feel like what I'm saying is not important. And later I get the sense that you don't remember what we were talking about. So that is a lot more effective in asserting your point, standing your ground and trying to get someone to change their behavior. Then they state their case, right? Like hopefully they apologize or something. If they don't, they'll be like, no, I don't do that or whatever. You can state your case again and keep stating it in that format. And eventually, I mean, the person will come around to your way of thinking. That's the idea, right? Or that they agree with you and that you stated your case. So using these sorts of like, those are a bit like higher level communication tools that take more practice. Um, so once you get past your like, you know, asking for a light beer instead of a regular beer sort of practices and you're going for, you know, promotions at work or, or, you know, you're trying to change something in a relationship, it's nice to practice those sorts of like higher level communication techniques. Mm, I like that. Thank you. That's, I feel like that's a really good actionable way to wrap up that part of the discussion. And I'm super excited to go into the lightning questions with you. So that's questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. And I say lightning questions, I should probably change it because they're not particularly fast. You can take as much time as you want. The first question is, what is something that you've learned recently that you're excited about? I actually was on just right before I started talking to you. I was watching a webinar called Programming for Non-Programmers with General Assembly. They have like a ton of like free workshops right now. So I am learning right now kind of some more technical stuff. I know everyone's like, I want to learn to code, right? But like, I do kind of want to learn how to code and learn more technical things. So recently, I've been like playing around with my Squarespace website on the back end and just learning some more like technical skills about how to like Squarespace is super user friendly, but yeah, like coding HTML and different like, you know, analytics and things like that. So I've been learning a lot about that recently. And I'm like a techie person and in a way of like, I can pick things up very quickly. And like, I'm a good problem solver. And I can fix like any printer in the world, like that sort of thing. But like, when it comes to like, writing code, I like don't know how to do any of that stuff. So that's something that I've been like, kind of obsessed with learning recently. I like that. That's a really cool one. And I've been actually meaning to check out their workshops because I saw that they made a bunch of them free. So also a good reminder. I'm scheduled for three next week and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) it's a little bit much, but whatever. I mean, we have all the time in the world. So yeah, why not use it? (laughs) The next question is, what is something that you're in the process of unlearning? That's such a good question. I love unlearning almost as much as I love learning. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I like to keep busy. Um, and I've been kind of battling like busyness my whole life. So like even my relaxing activities are really active, like reading and yoga and walking in the park. And like you might be like reading's not active, but it is like for your brain. So I don't think there's anything wrong with relaxing actively, but something that I'm unlearning is the connection of my self-worth to being productive or producing. So, and we were talking about goals earlier, like I'm very goal-oriented. 
So if I'm doing something that doesn't have an end goal, it can feel like aimless for me. So like reading is my favorite hobby in the entire world. But every time I'm reading, I'm like, you should be writing. Like you should be producing something. And if I'm doing yoga, I'm like, why are you doing yoga when you should be like training for a marathon or something like that, right? Like there always needs to be an outcome for me no matter what I do. So I'm trying to like teach myself that the outcome is in action and unlearn this like obsession with production. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. That's a good one. And something that I'm in the midst of right now too. It's hard. (laughs) Just having all of this time and you're like, oh, I had the time to do the things that I thought, but also there's so many more things to process and needing to give myself time to rest for that. So Mm -hmm. I feel you in that unlearning. And the last question is my favorite to ask people. It's what's a way that you've grown that you're proud of? And this is totally your chance to brag, to celebrate yourself and to allow us to celebrate you as well. (laughs) um yeah I do want to brag I'm like oh my god I've gotten I have gotten good at things a lot of things in my life but if we're talking about like being assertive and having confidence and defeating imposter syndrome and things like that are very important to me and if you would speak to someone who knew me when I was a kid they would say that from a young age, I have been assertive. They might use the word aggressive or bossy or whatever, sometimes depending on who they are. But in a way that I've grown is when I was younger, I was aggressive sometimes. So I didn't really know how to manage my emotions often. I'm still a very emotional person. But instead of being emotional and aggressive, which is what I think I was a little bit more like when I was a kid, I've kind of morphed emotion into emotional intelligence and EQ. And I've morphed the aggression into assertiveness. So even when I was a kid, like they were like, Caitlin is someone who stands up for other people, right? Caitlin is someone who fights for what is right. And instead of ever letting myself kind of tip the scales into aggression, I've kind of harnessed my emotion and my kind of outgoing nature into like refining it into EQ and being assertive and trying to teach other people how to do the same thing. So I feel like instead of (laughs) little mini Caitlin having temper tantrums, I am now a much more eloquent, hopefully kind of like powerful adult person. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that growth with us. Yeah. So If people are interested in what you talked about on the show or they just heard your intro and were like, wow, this is Caitlin, she's really cool. Where can they find you? Where can they stay connected with you on the internet? Um, Yeah, I have my website is CaitlinElizabethHarper.com. So I can spell it. But yeah, C-A-I-T-L-I-N and then Elizabeth Harper. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram and everything, mostly I'm on everything as Caitlin Renegade because <laughs> of my Renegade reading series and all the other Renegade affiliated things that I do. Um, but yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram all the time. My email, all my contact information's on my site. I do coaching and loads of workshops. My most popular workshop is the Defeating Imposter Syndrome workshop. I talk about a lot of communication techniques and behavioral psychology and how to kind of move past imposter syndrome, which is pretty, you know closely related to assertiveness and confidence and everything like that. 
But yeah, I love talking to people and teaching and learning. So definitely get in touch if you want to continue the conversation. Well, wonderful. Caitlin, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights on today's episode. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. This is so great. I'm glad we got the opportunity to talk. Yeah, me too. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com.